way. Oh, From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. We're delighted today that we have the privilege to be here on this station five days a week at this time, and I'm so glad you've joined me today, and I look forward to you doing that as often as you possibly can. It's always a joy to hear from folks who are listening, and I hope that you'll get in touch sometime soon. I'll give you the address at the end of the broadcast today. We're going to be talking this week about the general subject of religion. That word itself sometimes connotes something kind of negative in my mind, because it's a word that's used very openly and very freely out in society, and yet it's very rarely mentioned in the Bible. The New Testament word doesn't appear very often. Yet I think you and I know what we're talking about whenever we mention religion. But we have to acknowledge that there's a lot to consider there, and we want to be sure we get it right. So we're going to look at some things the Bible tells us and see if we can just get things on track as they need to be. And at the same time, we need to be alert so that things that come in under the umbrella of religion does not get stuck with us if it's not good. And it can happen. The devil works all of the time to try to get us off track. So let's be sure that we do things the right way. Let me remind you that the National Sword of the Lord Conference is upon us. Next Monday, July the 18th, we will be in Walkertown, North Carolina, the Lord willing, and the National Sword of the Lord Conference will open up on Monday night at 7 p.m. We're going to have four wonderful days, and I trust that you will make it your plan right now to be with us, July 18 through 21, at the Gospel Light Baptist Church in Walkertown, North Carolina. They're in the suburbs of Winston-Salem, great facilities. And listen, this conference is not just another conference. We have 17 main speakers. There'll be services in the evenings, there'll be services in the mornings, and then in the afternoon, practical instruction sessions. And I'm telling you, this is something special. The music will also be a tremendous blessing. None of the garbage music, none of the stuff that is just unbecoming to church and Christians at all, but really good, solid, traditional gospel music that will be a blessing to you. And I trust that you plan to be with us starting next Monday at the 7 o'clock hour in the evening. Now, let's get to our subject today, and I'm phrasing the topic today in a question. I just want to ask you, what's your religion? This word religion as I indicated, is only a handful of times in the Bible. In fact, even less than that, not really a full handful at all, but it's in very common usage in our world, in society. And whenever we use the term, we are really meaning some kind of a system of faith or a system of worship. And sometimes we hear people talk about the Christian religion or the Hindu religion or the Muslim religion or the Jews religion. And we know what they're saying. We're saying, well, that's the way the Jews do it. That's the way the Hindus do it. Or that's the way Christians do it. Now, the word in the Bible, threskeia is the word in the Greek New Testament, is sometimes a good thing, and sometimes it's not a good thing. I mean, just the usage of the word. It can be good or bad, expressing itself as really describing what is right or wrong. Now, let me just show you some of these spots in the Bible. For example, in Acts chapter 26, the Apostle Paul is giving his own testimony, and in verses 4 and 5, he says... 
My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. So he's saying that of the things that the Jews did religiously, he was, in fact, a very, very solid member. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, he says in another place, and a very strict sect of the Pharisees at that. So he's just telling us that he was in full with the religion of the Jews. Let me show you a second passage in Galatians chapter 1, Another example where he is rehearsing some of his own testimony about who he was before he became a Christian and before that uh, he had that great Damascus Road experience of salvation. Verse 13 and verse 14 of Galatians 1, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. So he goes into more detail here, and he tells us that the religion that he practiced as a Jew before he became a Christian was one in which he was doing violent things against Christians. In other words, it wasn't enough for him to just be a Jew, but if anyone were to speak up and to offer some message other than what the Jews wanted to hear, then it was okay to put pressure on them, even in some cases to kill them. And he says that beyond measure, he persecuted the church of God and wasted it. And in so doing, he rose in the ranks of the Jews' religion. It profited him in the Jews' religion. He said, more so than all of my peers. I mean, he was just rising up within the ranks because of his willingness to do whatever was necessary, whatever was desired, and to do that which pleased everybody else. And so he said, I just was zealous in the traditions of my fathers. So the Jews' religion, in this case, it's a bad connotation. It's telling us there was something here that really should not have happened. One more reference here to kind of set a historical context for the usage of the word religion is found in James chapter 1 in the New Testament in verses 26 and 27, where he says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So what he's telling us here is that some people, they want you to think they have religion, but yet they betray what they tell you because they do not allow themselves discipline. They let their mouth be their downfall. They use language. They say things that ought not to be said. And uh, he said, if you let your mouth do that, it tells us that your religion is vain. That is, it's not real. It's not substantive like it should be. And then he says, but real religion, pure religion, that which is undefiled before God and the Father is this, you take good care of the fatherless, talking about orphans, and you take good care of widows, that is, of women whose husbands have died. And uh, if they are in some affliction, that is, if they are 
having health issues, whatever. You are to pay attention to them and take care of them, and then also to keep yourself unspotted from the world. That is, you don't become a whirling. If your religion is real, if your religion is good, if it's the kind of faith that it ought to be, then you do not let the world take you into the kind of lifestyle that the world offers and advocates. So we're looking here at a good usage of the word in verse 27. And in verse 26, again, it's reflecting on things that are religious that are not good at all. So we have these instances here in the New Testament where the word religion is either used in a good way or in a bad way. Now, in Christian circles, we sometimes talk about what we call the old-time religion. And sometimes people react to that like, uh, you know, that it's something maybe that is from the distant past that should not be now. Well, that's not the way we mean it at all. When we say the old-time religion, we just simply mean we're doing things the Bible way. We're doing things the way that it's laid out in the Scriptures And God gave us the Bible a long time ago, so that's old time. It's out of the ancient years. And so we're looking at the fact that whenever we talk about old-time religion, it is a style of doing things, it is a pattern of doing things, and we do it based upon what the Bible tells us we should do. Now, dear friends, all of us have choices. We do have choices. And when it comes to religion, There's no exception here. You also have choices, and you need to choose rightly. You need to find the things that are good, and you need to walk with the Lord in how we go about doing this. I'm going to back up to the Sermon on the Mount, because here we learn some things about how to do this and how to make the choices that we ought to make. In verse number 20 of chapter 5 of Matthew Jesus said, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. When he talks about righteousness here, he's talking about their religion. He's talking about their faith. He's talking about the way that they practice the relationship with God, if they have one at all, whether they just profess something and do not possess it, or if they actually possess it. He is saying what you have has to exceed what the scribes and Pharisees were doing. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees were prominent Jewish religionists. They were prominent in the society. People knew them. People knew of their testimony, their reputation. And what he says is that they have a deficient religion. What they have will not do. It will not take you where you need to be. And so not only is it deficient, but you would also have to say that it's deceptive because it cannot do what it advertises. It cannot provide what they say that it provides. For example, on this broadcast, I've taken you back to look at the Ten Commandments several different times. We've looked at Exodus 20. We've looked at Deuteronomy chapter 5. We've studied those Ten Commandments. We believe those Ten Commandments. Those are, in fact, God's basic tenets of His moral law, and we note those and we adhere to those. We think they are right, they're good, they're godly, and yet if you or if I or if anyone, past, present, or in the future, if we say, just follow those Ten Commandments and you'll go to heaven— That is not going to get it done. That would be a deficient 
advocacy that would not establish the kind of faith, the kind of religion that would take you to heaven. But that's exactly what the scribes and Pharisees were doing, only they were adding all kinds, I mean hundreds and hundreds of little details about things that, oh, you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do the other. Now, folks, that is simply a false way of doing things, and it is not only a deficient religion for them personally, but it's deceptive in the fact that it's taking other people down the trail that they're on and they too are going to trip and fall and not go to heaven because Jesus said that this religion that they were advocating was a devastating kind of religion in that nobody gets into heaven based on that. If you do what the scribes and Pharisees do, Jesus himself said that nobody gets in. You shall in no case get into heaven. Now, to me, that is absolutely catastrophic. That is something that you and I ought to wave the flag about. I mean, the flag of warning. We ought to let people know that if you're trying to work your way to heaven, trying to keep the Ten Commandments, trying to just do the good things, if that's the way you're going, you're following the route of the scribes and Pharisees, and it's not going to get you in. You say, what do I need to do? Well, read John chapter 3. Jesus said you need to be born again. And you get born again when you put your faith and trust in the crucified and risen Christ and ask him to receive you as one of his children. And he will do that when you trust him. If I can help you with that further, I hope that you'll let me help you. I would love to do that because if you're not saved, there's nothing any more important than you getting that settled. And I hope you'll get in touch. In fact, I would love to hear from you, whatever, if you have questions or if I can further explain things, we will be glad to do so. So write to me. Let me know that you hear the broadcast on this station, and I will be so delighted to hear from you. My address is this, Dr. Shelton Smith at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. And we will look forward to hearing from you. By the way, check out our website at swordofthelord.com. Tomorrow, we'll get on some more about this matter of religion, and I trust it'll help you. God bless you. Have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now.